Welcome to the TurfNet Renovation Report, sponsored by Golf Preservations, the Greens Drainage Specialist. I'm Anthony Piapi, your host for today's show. My guest today is Michael Vesley, who is the golf course superintendent at Culver's Academies in Culver, Indiana. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Anthony. Good to be here. Good to talk to you again. And how's things in your world? Things are going great. Weather finally took a turn for the better, and things are starting to grow finally. Uh, it was a long winter, but um, uh, things are shaping up. Boys' schedule is uh, winding down. The school year is winding down, and and uh, getting ready for summer camp. Now, I want to I want to give people kind of a, uh, a a brief on your golf course. It's, I think, the, the third best nine-hole golf course in the United States, but it was largely ignored by the school for decades, and a restoration project was completed in, two. Uh, let me get this right, 2016, right? Uh, well, the, the restoration started in 2014 and then completed. Okay. Uh, the the uh, rededication of the golf course was in 2016. It was an amazing project because, in the sense that the go- nothing had really happened to the golf course other than it was ignored. The green pads were there. The original green uh, pads were there. The bunkers were there. Nothing had been taken out. Just everything was grown over and grown in. And when Bobby Weed and Chris Monty, his associate Chris Monty, came in, um, they just uncovered and... It, I likened it to, to cleaning up a, a masterwork painting that had been in a dingy cellar, had been in a smoke-filled room for decades. I mean, what they just revealed is simply amazing. Actually, that's how Chris Monte referred to it in one of our first meetings was Culver found a Picasso in their attic, and they just needed to figure out what to do with it. Um, and uh, they did something very special. Um, and... And uh, they they have turned it into one of the one of the finest golf nine hole golf courses in the country. Last podcast, I talked to Ron Force about uh, Langford and Moreau, uh, William Langford and Theodore Moreau, and this is one of their designs. And kind of give a little background. This was actually part of what was going to be an audacious twenty seven hole golf course on a, on a on the land of a private school. Very ambitious uh, plan. For a 27-hole golf course uh, with a large hotel sitting on the lakefront, the drawings are, are up here in our golf house. Very, uh, very bold for for 1920s. And they, uh, I, I did hear that podcast uh, with with uh, Ron. It was very good, very interesting. I learned some things as well. But yeah, they they wanted 18 holes, and they always wanted nine holes for the cadets to be able to play uh, while they were in school. So. That was the that was the idea behind the twenty seven holes, but yeah, just a just a bold idea for that time, and um, would would have been interesting if that all came to fruition for sure. And was there ever a reason for why the holes weren't built uh, that you know, you of? know? I hear things here and there, uh, but it, it, they built the the nine best holes or the or the nine uh, holes that that they that Langford thought would would be best, and I, I think it was more. It went out for a little bit, then the depression hit, and then you know that was kind of it. Money, probably money, right? Uh, the wars, and then you know that th- that was kind of it, right? And, and it is an amazing golf course, and the fact that it opens with very, it opens with a very quirky, uh, baffling to me par five, ends with an amazing par five, back to back par threes in the middle of it that are just fantastic. This array of different kinds of par fours, another par three, all of this within within nine holes. Right, 
Yeah, three threes, three fours, three fives. That's another interesting part about about Culver. It's uh, the uh, you remember uh, uh, Jim Henderson. You met Jim Henderson uh, during the dedication. Sure. Uh, yeah. He, he grew up playing here uh, as a youngster, and the story he always tells is. You know, he played here, and he said that there was always nine great golf holes. <laughs> and he said he just figured every golf course had just every hole was good. And he's like, that that very he goes even when you go to Pebble Beach, he's like, there's you know seven, eight really good golf holes. But you know, when I when I grew up, every hole was spectacular and good. So it, yeah, the the routing is good. They they definitely picked the best. Uh, um, nine holes that that were available um at that time so it it uh um it, it it's it's a special place and it it takes holes from all three of the nines if i remember correctly of the original of the original drawing yes of the original drawing yeah i uh i, I don't know the numbers offhand but yeah it's from all three right which i right which i think is just is interesting as well that it wasn't one of the nines that was built it was like you said langford decided he wanted to go get the nine best holes, and it's just fantastic. Uh, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, uh, and we'll be right back. From green drainage to sod work, Golf Preservations can handle your project with ease and give you the peace of mind to know the professionals are caring for your valuable golf course assets. Visit golfpreservations.com or call 606 499 2732 to talk to us directly about your next project. Okay, we're back on the TurfNet Renovation Report. I'm with Mike Vesley from uh, Culver Academy's golf course, and we were talking about the history of your golf course. Mike, I want to I want you to tell me about how when you arrived on on scene. I arrived on scene in November of 2014, um, and that the, the the construction part of the restoration had already been completed. The, the irrigation uh, had been put in. The bunkers have been restored, and the uh, tee boxes have been reseeded, and the new new tee boxes were built. Um, and the uh, uh, green expansion um, had basically just begun, where they they mowed out the lines to where they wanted them, and uh, that was uh, you know right before winter. So so um, just uh, didn't have a lot of time to do much that first year, but we did put a good plan together and, and we're able to go at it in uh, the spring of 2015. So tell, tell me about coming into the middle of a project like this, like not being there at the beginning of it, you know, not having seen the golf course before. What, what was it like? Uh, it was, uh, there were some big challenges. I remember uh, during the interview process, um, uh, walking the golf course and walking on the greens and they were, uh, they were like walking on a mattress and I know people say that jokingly sometimes, but here it was true. They were, they were very soft. Um, they hadn't been top dressed or air, uh, airified, uh, anything for, you know, 50, 60 years, a lot, a lot of thatch, very soft and, and, and knew it was going to be challenging, but also knew, um, there was nowhere to go, but up from there. One of my first weeks here, Chris Monte paid a visit. We walked the entire property, talked a lot about um, their vision and, and uh, what they had done and and what they had uh, what they thought needed done. 
it was uh, Chris and, and Bobby were very, very good to work with. Always helpful. Answered the phone and, and answered any questions I had and, and uh, was receptive to ideas I had about expanding fairways and things like that. I was not into architecture all that much. Uh, it hadn't grabbed me um, like it has since I've been here. I took the job as just a job. You know, look, I mean, I, I was passionate about turf and, and, it, and it seemed like a great opportunity. But after walking this property and seeing it and seeing this, I just, you know, golf architecture took off for me. And I'm, I'm a fanatic, maybe too much of a word, but I'm just so interested in architecture and, and uh, especially golden age architecture that uh, right. um, it, it, it grew another passion. Uh, for me and and I've used that to uh, go forward with our maintenance program as well. No, you're a, you're a fanatic. I'm anointing, since I'm a fanatic, uh, you're, I'm anointing you a fanatic. You are. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Right. I, I like when we talk minutia and you care about the really little minutia stuff that my friend Brian Silva would say, you know, there's 1,000 of 1% of us in the world who care about this stuff. And I'm glad that you're one of them. You know, it's like I... You know, not the only guy at the meeting. In other words, what I mean by changing my approach to agronomy, especially, is w- when there's a restoration or renovation like this. You know, you have to, at least I think, you have to take in the original intent of how the golf course was to be played. Now I know the the game has changed immensely since the 1920s, but I always try to look at uh, each hole and and how we water and and how we mow and things of that nature as to how but William Langford uh, envisioned the hole to be played. So we, you know, obviously there was no irrigation when they built it. Um, so we try to keep it firm and, and hard, and uh, hopefully people will will um, appreciate that and, and try to uh, utilize the, the firmness to, to play this golf course. Right, and, I, and like you said, I have played there, and I played there more than once. And the and when it's firm with all the greens at the way they are, the way the greens are open in front, you know they they those two guys wanted the ground the ground to be utilized. You can utilize on your golf course. I love that shot coming into the ninth green. There's you know the front pin on on number three. The whole thing. I, it's it's really a joy. And I think you know, and I agree with you that technology has changed. But for most people who play golf, they're not flying balls into golf balls into greens and spinning them or stopping them. They're bouncing or running them on or thinning them on or whatever. And it's just so much fun to get to a place like yours, you know, this P, this step back in time to the night to ninety years ago, and be able to hit the and be able to hit those shots. Like I said, we we hope people would will will look at that and appreciate that, and and uh, that's that's my goal at least, and that's always. You know, I just I've always wanted it to be uh, what it was meant to be, and that's the, the the goal of the restoration from the beginning was to keep it a 1920s golf course. I mean, it was um, th- there was a time when they didn't even think about putting tee markers out or tee signs; they just wanted you to uh, find the tee box you wanted and tee it up and go play. Um, you know, they they didn't want markers in the fairways and things like that, so they they wanted to keep the rustic uh, classic look. Um, but you know, they also wanted it to be a 2018 golf course as well. They, you know, they wanted, they added the irrigation, they want, um, better playing surfaces and, and, uh, you know, you can't mow fairways at an inch and a half anymore like they did back then. So it, 
it uh so so there's a nice uh blend of that but um you know i always try to keep langford's vision in mind and and i i think you know it's it's helpful for people who are listening to this to understand how far the golf course um evolved in your time tell me this tell the story about what the irrigation uh program was when you know before you got there before i got there that's that's a it's a great story chris chris monte uh, had, had talked to me about, but when I, when I first interviewed, I walk into the maintenance shop and there's two pallets stacked about four feet high of garden hose. And, uh, so I'm, I'm like, what's that? And they said, that's the irrigation hose. And Chris Monte said the irrigation practice was Tuesday was water day. <laughs> so every Tuesday, the, the guy, the guys, he's been here for 30 years, uh, Randy, and he's still here, uh, would take all those hoses out and water on Tuesdays. He'd water the green. We had uh, couplers at the greens that they could plug an old uh, sprinkler head into. He'd set it in the middle of the green and, and let it go every Tuesday. <laughs> That's amazing. That is just amazing. So so what what was the impetus for the school to decide, one, that they wanted to restore this golf course, and two, that they – how did they suddenly become aware of firm and fast and – and less is more and all of that. Rand Morissette from Golf Club Atlas came out in 06 and wrote uh, uh, a very flattering uh, couple pages about uh, Culver Academy. And this was pre-anything. Um, and basically said what we have seen is that this could be one of the best nine-hole courses in the country. And that that got some uh, some alums interested in doing something uh and it it took a lot of years um but but uh some very uh, influential alums got involved and started the ball rolling i think it took about five years or so to uh, raise the funds to, to begin the restoration project but it kind of all started all started there and they wanted to make this facility the golf course uh match up with all the other facilities on campus, which are all uh, some of the finest facilities in the, uh, in the state, uh, if not the country, football fields and uh, equestrian centers and, and the, their, their tennis uh, courts. It, I mean, it's all right. Right. They're all very nice in all their buildings. So they, they wanted it to match up. Um, and that, and that, then it really gained steam after that. And, um, uh, they, you know, they, they raised the money and, and, uh, they, they got it done. And, you know, it, they, uh, there was not a greenkeeper or a superintendent position here. It wasn't until after, um, they had completed the restoration that they took a step back and said, um, you know, why, why are we doing this without hiring, uh, you know, somebody that can take care of it. Why are we doing all this work? And not that the gentleman that was here couldn't, you know, do it, but uh, it, it was a different, a different animal at that point than just, you know, come in, mow greens and, you know, go home. Right. They had never, they had never asked him to do that. Right. Right. I mean, right. He was, he, he was taking care of other things along with the golf course. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he had been at the golf course for a, a long, like, like I said, over 30 years and it, you know, once the architects got involved and there was an agronomist and then some 
uh, alums and the golf committee. And then it just, you know, it, it got to be something, you know, if you're not experienced in that or, or dealing with that and it, it's just more than, more than, uh, uh, what he wanted to do. So they, you know, they, they went and created a position and, you know, thankfully I, I was, a, I was the one they, uh, got. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an amazing, it's amazing that, that, you know, that, like you said, knowing so little about architecture, or it's not a high priority for you coming there to this absolute, just, you know, stunning piece of design and then just realizing, you know, it, it biting you the way it has, it has bitten a lot of us. And, you know, now you're completely hung up on this whole thing and it's fantastic. Right. Yeah. It was uh, one of our walks, one of my walks with Chris Monte was like, you know, you're going to, uh, this place, you're going to meet some people being at this place. Um, so, you know, he, he, he knew how special it was. Um, and it just hadn't hit me then, but, um, you know, there was a, there was a point, uh, standing it was the first, it was the first month I was here standing near our, where our driving range is. Um, and I, I looked at our hole number two, uh, from the back. Yeah. And, and I even took a picture of it. I still have it, but I, 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 it's, it caught my eye and I just stood there and looked at it for like a minute. And I'm like, that is something just, you know, I haven't seen before. And it, and that right there is, is the point where I, I just kind of uh, dove into Langford and, and architecture in general. I mean, it was, uh, uh, it's kind of an aha moment uh, just standing there looking at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to, tw- you need to tweet that photo and tag me on that and tag TurfNet so people can see this because that's absolutely when this when this comes out I'll make sure that we do that because so the the second hole is an uphill par three right and you were standing behind and you were standing behind the green looking that that's awesome no I know what you're saying right you see that stuff and you just yeah pushed up and I mean it's just it's just amazing just just really I mean it's just just floored me right and for, and for me on your golf course. I don't know. I don't think it was the first time I was there because of the the lighting. But the second time I stood on the third tee and looked down at another par three with the bunkering and the way how it's it's a two tier green, but the lower tier is in the back. And you know, you, when you're standing on the first tee, you see the fourth green. It's got that push up feel. Being a Rainer fan, I'm drawn to Seth Rainer fan. I'm drawn to that right away. I see that. I see Langford's you know thing with that but that third hole to me just grabbed me and then every time you go around that golf course you just find more stuff exactly no you're, you're exactly right and the and the greens are and the greens are just a blast you can just spend hours walking around that golf course just putting the greens right and i remember when you guys were there we're playing i was walking with you you know after you put out you throw a couple balls down and put to just some other corner of the green and i think i, I want to say you said that's how you know you're on uh you're on good greens is when you want to do something like that just to see. I don't want to, right. I say that with my, a couple of my friends are like that. We know we're on good greens. We don't want to leave. Right. 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 And you know, and you, you have made a comment about bringing your friends here and wouldn't, wouldn't have a problem doing that every day. And John Cavalier said the same thing. And uh, Jason way, I don't know if you know Jason or, or have heard of Jason way from uh, canal shores. Okay. Um, he he's he said the same thing as well. So that, you know that's probably you know 
some of the best compliments that that uh, we could get is if if guys like you and and John and Jason would would come here every day and play. I mean, that's just uh, what a what a good feeling that gives you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and for me playing that, it's like I want to come back when the flag location is there. God, I'd like to approach that shot again, but from this side of the fairway. You know, look at that roll that I never saw or that undulation that I didn't see until we're walking off. And that's the reason I want to go back. It's just that much fun. We're we're proud of it. That's for sure. We're proud of it. Yeah. Mike, I want to touch on two things that I fascinate me about the golf course, kind of a connection to it. Talk about what the school discovered about one of its employees in regard to the the golf course. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the bunker behind three green and I get an email from from our athletic director uh, that our, our nurse practitioner had sent her. And the question was, she has a, her son is married to the, uh, the great granddaughter of this William Langford, she said, and I think he's an architect and he might've designed Culver, but uh, um, it turns out, I mean, that was, I mean, it just floored me. I, I, I couldn't believe that. Right. Right. It turns out that right. the, the nurse practitioner at Culver, her son was married to the great granddaughter of William Langford. Um, and, and, and then we actually found that, uh, her mother, the girl's mother, which would have been Langford's granddaughter. Um, we, we made contact with her and, and, uh, was able to get her, uh, here for the dedication. And, and, um, uh, I've kept in touch with her as well. So it was, uh, it was, a. uh, pretty funny story pretty eerie story <laughs> yeah that's that is that, that's pretty amazing and then the other one i like is that who has a summer home just down the street and that's pete Dye. absolutely yeah pete and, alice. pete and alice were there and that was if i remember correctly alice's side of the family owned that house is that right yes that's her side yep the summer cottage and you know pete uh grew up walking you know this course um and you know, I think a lot of his uh, uh, architectural uh, prowess came from from growing up here and, and looking at what Langford did around here. So, um, yeah, just down the road. Yeah, what's the other course down the street? That's the uh, Max and Cucky Country Club, which has five Langford holes, right? It's got five. Yes, five Langford holes. Yeah, yep. I went out. I went out with when I was down there. I went out with PB Die right. and looked at those holes. And he's like, you know, my dad and mom played here for a long right. time. Right. You know, some of this had to have rubbed off on both of them. Absolutely. And those five holes are is fantastic. Yes, they are. They're very good. And you kind of wish that course would do a little bit of a renovation restoration too, because I don't know what you do with the other four holes, but those five <laughs> are just amazing. Rod down there does does a great job. They they are they are very cool holes. I mean, you can tell right off the bat that Langford's touch on it for sure. Yeah, no, know when you walk onto the right, a good hole out there, it's pretty amazing. You, you walk from an okay hole and then you play this other hole and you're like, oh yeah, that's Langford. Right, right, exactly. Exactly right. Now I know, I got to ask you this question because people ask me this all the time. I know that you have a screwy kind of schedule with, with regards to the golf course in the summer because there's a camp and a couple holes get shut down during the summer. That's correct, right? Right. Well, yeah. One hole. If somebody wants to play your golf course, if they're it, you're no, you're near South Bend and all that, is it possible? And if it is, how do they go about it? Well, you have to contact our facilities department. Um, uh, it's on the website. I don't have the number offhand. I wish I did, but that's all right. You, you contact our facilities department, and then they'll 
uh, I don't know if they've ever told anybody no that they couldn't come. Um, but but everything gets approved through there. Summer camp starts about the middle of June, uh, and it lasts six weeks. Um, so we go to just about the first of or end of July or beginning of August, um, and we do close hole number five because. Uh, along the left side of five is our woodcraft camp, which is uh, uh, the nine to 13 year old kids are, are there for, for the six weeks. So uh, to keep anybody from getting hit with a golf ball, we close that down and um, use an alternate hole, uh, which is on our driving range, uh, tee up to our, what is now our uh, practice chipping green. Right. Uh, but we, uh, during the, during those times, during the summer camp, we, we closed the course from 7.30 to 3.30, Monday through Friday, um, because they hold classes out here uh, all day. I mean, there's, you know, 30, 30 kids out here at all times during the day. So, and they're, uh, they have beginners and, and snag course, and, and they, they do a lot of neat things to, uh, obviously, to grow golf for sure um and then they're also looking to attract winter school kids as well so um we're, we're closed during those times and then and then during the uh shoulders of the season when there's uh, girls golf uh plays in the fall and boys play in the spring um we're, we're basically closed each night from 3 30 to 6 while they practice or have matches okay um but but other than that um we're open for play. Uh, we're uh, uh, we open to alums, employees, and uh, obviously students. And then, of course, if you get permission to play, you, you you can come out and play. And like I said, I don't I don't know if they've ever told anybody no, unless there was something going on. Yeah, that's great because I've encouraged people. I said if you're within 150 miles of the place, I I think it's worth going to. I mean, again, I'm talking to the one thousandth of one percent of people who are we're going to define as fanatics but i really think that if you're it's a golf course worth worth seeking out you know right well we think so too i mean we you know we get we get people here from all over uh to play it that have heard about it read about it um you know so it's it's pretty neat cool well listen i want to thank you for um for talking with me today this is fascinating it's a golf course that i love uh this is We've been talking with Mike Vesley, the golf course superintendent at Culver Academies. Um, and like I just said, if you're within 150 miles of this golf course, get in touch with Culver Academies facilities people and get permission to go out and play it. Uh, it is it is really something to see. Thanks a lot, Mike, for, ta- for taking the time to speak with me. I appreciate it. All right, Anthony. Thank you very much. Good talking to you again. Uh, you've been listening to the Renovation Report on TurfNet Radio.